Are you nervous? No. I am. Oh. It really was because a lot of times I would be in the hate part of the love-hate relationship and then I would sort of rethink, wait, you know, if this is my work, shouldn't I be liking it more? Shouldn't I be enjoying it more? And although I was good at it, I just, there was only a specific audience that I really enjoyed working with. That's my guest, Cheryl Janice, talking about one of the common pains of being a generalist. Cheryl is an interior designer and my wife. I wanted to bring her on to talk about positioning because even though her business is pretty far towards the creative end of the professional services spectrum, she's got a lot of great experience to share about the emotional challenges of positioning yourself. It doesn't matter how technical your services are, you will have to deal with some nasty fears as you figure out how to position your business. And Cheryl's story really sheds some light on that part of the journey. I'm Philip Morgan, and this is the Consulting Pipeline podcast, where we talk about building your consulting pipeline through positioning, education-based content marketing, and marketing automation. So, hi, Cheryl. Hi, Philip. Nice to see you. We share nice an office space, so we see each other every day. <laughs> Hello, handsome. So, why don't you start by telling folks who you are and what you do? My name is Cheryl Janice, and I am a healthcare interior designer for visionary healthcare practitioners who want to transform their unwelcoming space into a custom, exquisite healing environment. Nice. So I want to, I want to help listeners understand where you are in the process of defining your business focus. And uh, you're, you're still kind of in that process, right? Yes. I'm in the process of defining, still defining or, my business. Or, or rather, it's, it's something you did not long ago. So, uh, Right. It's been about um, three or four months. So it's so, really new. Yeah. So, so as of today, what uh, audience or industry do you focus on? I focus on independent healthcare physicians who work outside of the insurance of the current medical insurance reality okay. and who are visionary types. Mm -hmm. They embrace a whole health medicine philosophy right? and believe in uh, the idea that the environment is, is important to facilitate healing and to create an experience that supports the work they do. So um, what kind of services do you offer them? I am a full service interior design mm -hmm. firm and studio. So I, I offer, you know, all the design services and I okay. specifically focus on how to create a healthcare setting that promotes positive outcomes for mm. patients. Mm -hmm. So for example, when a patient walks into one of my clients' offices, they immediately will feel relaxed, um, 
less anxious about a procedure and very welcomed simply by walking into the space, even before they talk to anybody. So it's, it's the, the way the space is laid out, the furniture layout, the colors that are used on the wall, the wall decor or photography, the type of lighting, you know, the, whatever, the music, the noise, mm-hmm. the sound management. Lots of design elements are considered when I design spaces for patients. Mm. So how do you uh, differentiate yourself from other people who, who might be serving the same audience or the same type of client? Sure. Well, unlike other healthcare interior designers, I use an experiential approach to design. Mm. I consider the patient's experience from the moment they walk through the door until the time they leave and every step in between. Mm. So unpack that a little bit. What does that mean to um, consider the experience first? I mean, how else would you do it? Other interior designers look at the look at the architectural features and they don't consider the experience of the person who actually goes to the space. Uh, uh And this is quite important uh, these days when uh, more and more people are taking charge of their own uh, healing, um, nutrition Mm -hmm. and exercise programs. And they are looking for practitioners and physicians to partner with. Mm -hmm. And so this, this, this particular modality that I use is based on a few different uh, design concepts. One of them is evidence-based design, which is working with a built environment based on calculated measurements or studies that have been done that prove to the world mm-hmm. <laughs> that, for example, having integrating nature into a space um, helps reduce pain, facilitates healing. Um, uh, studies have shown that people spend less time in the hospital when they have views of nature right. versus a view of a brick wall. Mm. And I also take into consideration the psychological, the physiological and the sociological aspects of an experience, place, um, mood, emotion, Mm. and also some, a few esoteric things. So also the spiritual aspects. Mm -hmm. So other, other interior designers are, are kind of coming from a different place in their work. It sounds like. Sure. In traditional interior design school, you're taught a certain language that has to, that revolves around more a traditional view of interior design, which focuses more, at least in the healthcare world, on how the way that the built environment can house medical equipment. Mm -hmm. And I know everybody can relate to feeling, to at least having one or a few experiences of going to the hospital or a medical doctor's office or the dentist, and it feels very clinical, cold, industrial, where the surfaces are hard and there's not a lot of comfortable seating and the walls are white and there's overhead lighting that is, you know, fluorescent and and glaring and bright and Mm -hmm. disruptive. And so there's a movement that's happening now that is focusing more on 
building the healthcare environment, including hospitals and clinics, with this sort of patient-centric approach, mm. which which is considering the, you know, how what can we do in the environment as designers and architects that can create a better experience, mm-hmm. uh, more positive outcomes, mm-hmm. in in on so many levels. Mm. So let's wind your story back to the point where you started, you know, doing this. How how did you get started in business or or if that's too far back, how did you get started doing this kind of work? Well, I had already been I've been designing holistic and integrative medical practices. Holistic uh, medical practices are uh, practices like acupuncture, massage therapy. Okay. Those kind of practices. I've been practicing, I've been designing those types of businesses for about 12 years. Okay. And what I noticed, and I, and I also was doing residential design, and, and what I kept noticing and I, that I couldn't prove was how after every single time after I would redesign you know, a waiting room, a treatment room in one of my clients' spaces, how within six months their their businesses would increase, word of mouth would spread, and patients and clients were delighted. They were more receptive to receiving treatment recommendations. Just their whole overall experience in the space was so much more positive, and word of mouth was spreading for my business. And so what... What sort of kicked me off to go a little bit further back, mm-hmm. I was designing residences and I was in a car accident. So what, what time period are we talking about here? In 2010, I was in a car accident. Okay. I was, I, you know, drove about two hours outside of Portland, Oregon, where I was living and was working in the state of Washington on a dental practice. And on my way home from that dental practice, I was in the town of Astoria, and I didn't know a soul. And while I was stopped at a red light, a young kid was texting, and he was driving a truck. And he just didn't see me. He was texting, and I was stopped at the light behind a truck. And he slammed into me, and I became the sandwich that day. Right. Uh, Between the truck in front of me and the truck behind me. And now I had a, an old Mercedes, which took the brunt of the, of the damage. And, you know, it, it was a totaled car mm-hmm. and I didn't know a soul. And I was, my neck was injured and my body was injured and I was in shock and crying. And I took a cab to the five minutes. I, I said, oh, I'm fine. I'm fine. But then I took a cab to the, to the emergency room. Mm-hmm. And when I went into the emergency room, you know, I was immediately hit with this, this cold, sterile environment. And it, I was already feeling frightened and I didn't have anybody there to help me who I knew. And there was bright lights and hard surfaces and they put me into a windowless room and they, you know, put me into a neck brace. And Mm -hmm. anyway, there were this series of, 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 of things that they do when you go to the emergency room and it made me feel worse. And I, of course, as a designer, I'm, you know, in my head, I'm thinking, you know, all about all these different uh, ways and 
things I can do in the space to make the experience better. And I, I really struggled. There was beeping noises and bright lights and it was, it was rough. Mm-hmm. And so after that experience, I made a commitment to myself to really help and to really focus on medical practitioners who really need help with their environments. So focus on them instead of... Instead uh, of being more of a general interior designer. Okay. You know, before I was more general, I would do... If a restaurant called me, I'd say yes. If a, if a holistic practice called me, I'd say yes. If a knee surgeon called me for some right. design, I would say yes. I would say yes to a home... You know, somebody who called me who needed help with their home. And they actually are quite different, even though they're all designed. They all have different focuses. And working with you on my positioning really mm-hmm. has taken my business to a whole other level. And okay. it's exciting. Cool. So let's let's unpack that middle part a little more. So you, you had experience, you had sort of, you know, uh, credentials and or street cred as a as a designer, as someone who could, you know, come in and, and help you make a space more beautiful or more comfortable or or whatever, right? And then you had this experience that gave you a heightened it sounds like gave you a heightened interest in in helping one type of client. How long did it take, you know, between the car wreck and and the emergency room and and you saying, okay, I am only going to help this this particular type of client. About four and a half years. Okay. So it was a bit of a, even from, from that big, you know, kind of dramatic and awful emergency room experience, it was, it took some time to develop into, into that focus, right? Here's the thing. I did not understand why I was unhappy doing what I was doing. Oh, interesting. Say more about that. I was designing client homes and they were loving me and recommending me to their friends. And what I really received the most joy out of was helping owners of medical clinics, natural clinics. And these were all private, private healthcare practitioners. Right. Because of the results I was seeing. And there was something that really touched my heart and soul about working on spaces where I could facilitate healing and make life better for so many people. And so I simply had the story in my mind that I had to either do, be a generalist or do something different. And so I suffered depression from that. I had a love-hate relationship with my, with my job. Mm-hmm. And then when I started working with you around creating a specialty and positioning myself differently, it was like a light bulb went off Mm. and that light bulb was filled with joy and excitement. And you mean, really, I don't have to serve all these people. I can just serve the people that I want to. And I actually didn't even think about it before. So was it, I'm trying to kind of get inside your thinking from that time when you were under the impression that the only way to do your business was to sort of take all comers, right? Anyone who right. who wanted your services, uh, did you feel like you owed it to them or did you feel like 
Um, there just wasn't any other choice or how did that work? Back I then? really felt like there wasn't any other choice because, you know, here I am receiving clients and, and the money's coming in and I need the money and I want the money. And I didn't realize that there was a better way. Hmm. I just didn't know. Right. You, you spent a number of years in a sort of take all comers mode working with a, a wide variety of clients, kind of operating as a generalist, and it it was starting to really drag you down, right? That's what it sounds like. It really was, because a lot of times I would be in the hate part of the love-hate relationship, <laughs> and then I would sort of rethink, wait, you know, if this is my work, shouldn't I be liking it more? Shouldn't I be enjoying it more? And although I was good at it, I just, there was only a specific audience that I really enjoyed working with, which were these healthcare practitioners. Right. So you, let's see, I, I've heard you mention three distinct, we could call them an audience or we could call them a type of client or, or even an industry. You mentioned the, the natural health client, the more traditional medical client, and then the homeowner. And, uh, well, I have some insider information here, so I know there's others too. Like uh, you've worked with retail uh, retailers, yes, and um, and then probably even uh, oh, restaurants is a fourth or fifth. I don't know what we're commercial up to now. spaces, office spaces, and then offices. And uh, I know you've even been asked to work on hotels and and hospitality yes. before. So, you know, you have these. Uh, I, I lost count there, but I think it was maybe six or so different. Uh, industry verticals that you uh, had worked with. Yes. How did you, uh, I mean, was it just a purely an emotional kind of thing for you or how did you arrive at which one of those you were going to focus on? It was definitely a process and it was really exciting for me because after I started studying with you, I just went to work on my own and mm -hmm started really kind of diving into this idea of who did, who did I, who am I serving? Who do I want to serve right. out of these sort of categories that you've defined just right now? Right. And I can't, it took me a while because, and I actually had to live with each, each one for a little while and then go, no, wait. So was that sort of a mental exercise where you, you just kind of, I don't know, let's say arbitrarily for a week, you said you thought about for some period of time, what what if I just worked with restaurants or what if I just worked with homeowners? Is that how you did it? No, I knew I knew from our first or second coaching session mm -hmm. that we had together that I wanted to work with healthcare practitioners. Okay. That was definitely super easy. Right. So I knew I could take off the table homeowners and restaurant owners and other kinds of commercial spaces that we discuss, retail spaces. And I knew that I wanted to work with healthcare practitioners, but then, and for me, it was really important to write it down. Mm. And, and that's one of the things that Philip, that you taught me was to write it down mm -hmm. and write it big on a piece of paper or write it on your computer and print it out in large font. Okay. And, kind of start living with that first, whatever I'll call it, a first draft of the positioning statement that I 
wanted and okay. the, and my differentiator. Right. And then sort of like when I'm out in the real world, talk about it with my friends and see how they respond. Mm-hmm. And if I'm meeting somebody for the first time, you know, use that and kind of see how they respond. And I actually did those things. And it was right. a really import, important part of the process. Right. Because some of them were kind of confused. Okay. So, so you, At first. you, you had some pretty early, early on in the process clarity about which industry you were going to focus on it, it very yeah. early, on, early on you're like you had this you know this car wreck experience years ago and so when you decided to focus on a single type of client healthcare was the clear uh, leader the clear obvious choice yeah so much so that i can't believe i didn't think about it before i mean i i, I was so i think a lot of people and me included were under the impression that you have to like have the cookie jar be really, you know, wide and diverse <laughs> so that you can receive a lot of clients so that you can appeal to a, to a range of different types of people. Uh-huh. And that wasn't really doing it for me. That wasn't lighting my fire. So when it, four, four and a half years later after my car accident, you know, I realized how much joy I was getting out of helping these healthcare practitioners. That part was really clear. Okay. That first step okay. that I narrowed narrowed down my audience, the first step of narrowing them down was super easy and super great. It felt great in my body. Mm-hmm. Done. Well, so I think I heard you say, though, that after that initial sort of burst of clarity, then uh, you started trying to create a positioning statement, a way of telling people who you help and what you do for them and how you're different than others. And that's where you had to do a little bit of gradual uh, refinement. Yes. So I printed out the paper with my positioning statement and differentiator on it. And I memorized it, Mm -hmm. even my first draft. Right. And I took that paper with me on my walks that I took every day. Uh And I said it out loud several times until I really got it. And then I simply used that. I simply had that kind of planted in my brain for a while. Can I stop you? Did it feel weird to do that, to try to to memorize something that you had written? This was not something somebody else wrote for you, but still, did it feel weird like you were, you know, preparing for a, (laughs) I don't know, um, did it just feel strange? Like a wedding rehearsal or something? Yeah, like you were rehearsing <laughs> to be on stage, I guess is what I was trying to say. No, it didn't. It felt a little weird, but there's something. See, I, I appreciate getting help for my business, <laughs> as I'm sure a lot of your listeners do. Sure. And so I knew that I could benefit from it. And so I wanted to take the steps and really do the homework that you gave me. And so for me personally, it was kind of, I enjoy that kind of challenge of, I'm going to do something that feels a little bit uncomfortable, sometimes a lot uncomfortable. And I'm going to have some moments where there's a lot of fear. Oh my God, I'm saying no to, you know, clients that are giving me money, but they're not really people I want to work with. And I said yes to that. So the first step was printing out this paper, writing the first positioning statement mm-hmm. and dif- differentiator. How am I different from other healthcare interior designers and then memorizing it and then taking that into the world, just giving myself sometimes a few days, sometimes a week mm-hmm. to test it. 
you're a solo business owner. Yes. You, you, uh, you're free from the, um, the, the joy and the, um, <laughs> challenge of having employees. Yes. Uh, so how did you get feedback from the, you know, others on, on your early, your first attempt at a positioning? I actually just said it to whoever would listen to me, um, nice. <laughs> except for the grocery clerk. I stopped, I, you know, I didn't, drew the line there. I drew the line there. I actually, if I went out with friends, a lot of my friends are, you know, small business owners, so it's helpful. Yeah. And I would come to you luckily because I had you here yeah. by my side a lot and, you know, you would encourage me. And then, you know, I just would meet at that time, you know, I was meeting new people. And as I did, I would, they would say, oh, what do you do? Right. And I would tell them what I did. And then I would. So you would just recite the memorized positioning statement. Sometimes I would recite it and sometimes I would have a short version of it. Okay. Because a lot of times, you know, if you're in a conversation, you kind of have to have a short version of Ah, it. Right, right. But some version of it, short or long, or sometimes I would do exactly the long version yeah, and I would see how people were reacting. And I, I was also, I think more importantly, the process helped, helped me. Oh, how so? It helped me think and kind of get into my body at the body level and kind of at my soul level and my heart level. It, it, it helped me really feel into, okay, is this, is this right? Oh, right. Kind of that gut check. That gut check, right. Mm-hmm. And so what ended up happening was I, my, my positioning statement has been revised about three or four times already. And the fourth, the third or the fourth time has been it. So you gave us the, the sort of current final, I mean, there's positioning statements are always, well, they're not always changing, but they're always being updated as you gain new experience. So you, at the top of this uh, conversation, you gave us the the current version. What I think I saw you printing out the uh, the original version, or do mm-hmm. you have that? Yeah, I do. I but can do. you uh, give us the two to sort so people sure. can, can see the difference? The you know uh, okay. the progress sure. from one to the other. So this is the current one. So you can hear the latest one, the one that I've, the one that I love, the one that really resonates with me. And understand that when I did my first positioning statement in Differentiator, I thought that res- really resonated. Okay. Okay. So this is the this is the one that I. This is a ten is for today. you right this now. Is, this is a ten. Yeah. I help visionary healthcare practitioners transform unwelcoming spaces into exquisite custom healing environments. Nice. Unlike other healthcare interior designers, I use an experiential approach to design. Considering your patient's experience from the moment they walk through your door until the time they leave and every step in between. Very nice. The first one I had went something like this. Now it's been sort of reworked, and, but kind of went like this. I help holistic healthcare practitioners unlock the healing power of their space. Unlike other healthcare interior designers, I use an integrative approach to design. Drawing on evidence-based design, style, and design psychology, and Eastern principles such as yin-yang and the five elements theory. So that first one has a lot, has a couple big differences that jump out at me. It's um, it's kind of talking about your the tools that you use a little more than the uh, than the latest one, the one that really is working for you. It's talking about those tool sets that you draw on. And uh, it seems really connected to 
Well, it just, it seems like it's for a different audience. <clears throat> Sorry, different audience is that. Right. At first glance, you might not think that I change that many words. Right. But it actually has a whole different feeling and meaning. Mm -hmm. And so there's this idea I think a lot of us have is that we have to show people in our positioning. We have to be really technical. We have to show them what our credentials are or what type of science we use. And really, people don't really care about that. So why do you think your latest positioning, uh, does it, I mean, does it resonate better with your ideal client? And if so, why do you think that is? It does resonate with my ideal clients better because it gives them, it allows them to step into the experience of the solution that I provide. Oh. And the solution that I provide is is that their patients will walk into their practice and every detail of their experience will have been considered. And it kind of speaks to that uh, problem that you experienced firsthand when you were in the ER. Right. And it, I mean, if it didn't come out of the story the first time around, they patched you up. They didn't screw anything up in, in the medical work, but the experience of being there was terrible for you. And, uh, and you're talking, and that was a, the definition of an unwelcoming space, right? Absolutely. The, the medical care was, was outstanding, I suppose. <laughs> I mean, it they, was, it was adequate at least. Yeah, it was at least adequate. It was a clean environment. But you have a negative memory of being there. It was so horrific because I'm in a, in a different, you know, I'm in a different city. I know nobody and... I'm, I'm already a sensitive person, but I know, I know everybody can identify with being sick at some point in their lives. Everybody feels worse and more sensitive. Right. Like that you're kind of on your last nerve because you've been sick and you have to go to the doctor again, that kind or of a thing. Or you can start crying over nothing. Mm -hmm. You're in a lot of pain. And so you know, bright lights, harsh lights and white walls and no windows and feeling in, like in a tiny room, feeling claustrophobic and and not really even knowing where you are, having a sense of the space you're in is quite terrifying. And I think it, you know, it terrifies children who are really sensitive. It can right. frighten elderly people and even all of us, you know, in that age range in between, you know, we know what it's like to go to either a dentist's office or some kind of a surgery or an, uh, an other kind of treatment where even acupuncture, where we have felt, you know, nervous about it. Right. And so. So that's the problem you're helping with. And, and that's the problem you you describe in your, well, you don't really elaborate on it, but you talk about unwelcoming spaces. That's the problem you solve. Right. So the first, so the old positioning statement where I say, you know, I, my differentiator talks about uh, the, the approaches that I use, the scientific approaches, right. which are evidence-based design and design psychology. It's kind of like in the Charlie Brown, Charlie Brown's teacher, when you hear her going, wah, 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 wah. That's kind of how I saw the look in my, when I was testing this out in the real world, I kind of saw this glazed over look in my friends or uh -huh. uh, acquaintances' eyes when I would say that because they don't understand that. Right. Right. It, it didn't, it's funny how quickly you can lose somebody when you 
when you stray from what the, you know they're going to care about. And not everybody is going to care about your positioning statement, but what's the effect now with this new positioning statement that really seems to be working for you now? Do, uh, uh, I mean, not to lead the witness here, but do people remember what you do more easily? Do they tell their friends, hey, I know this person, you know, what's the effect that you're seeing? They absolutely remember me more. I'm more memorable because what did I do? I described their problem. I described the solution right. to their problem and I didn't get into any of the mumbo jumbo about it. Right. So they get, I also notice that they're more interested in asking me questions after I say my positioning statement, like, oh, oh tell me more. Oh, really? Oh. Wow. That's so interesting. Instead of kind of just nodding their head, like you not wanting to be rude. So, so you knew you had a winner when you felt really right about it internally and you were starting to get that kind of a reaction from people in the real world when you were testing it. Right. And there's also this other piece of it really feeling right to me. Yeah. Yeah. I know that's big for you. So I think that maybe other people have gone through this. I don't think it's this easy thing to do to be, to go from a generalist to a specialist, but it is so worth it and rewarding and important. So it had to feel right to me as well. And yeah. So that's why, you know, when I first started, I, w I thought my audience was just holistic practitioners, holistic, meaning they practice holistic health. And then I decided, well, I think I like, I'd like to work with integrative medical practitioners. Integrative right. medical practitioners are doctors and naturopathic physicians, for example, who believe in complementary alternative medicine. Mm -hmm. And I thought, okay. And then I thought, well, you know, I also want to work with holistic practitioners. So am I getting too general now? Do I have to choose one? And I think I came back to you several times and said, oh, do I, do I need to choose one? And and you said, yes, you need to choose one. So I saw someone, I th think I read Lissa Rankin's website. Right. And she is a, a medical doctor who left the reductionist system that's concurrently our... Sort of like left mainstream left, medicine. Right. Okay. And started her own practice. And she wrote some books, some great books on... on um, you know, approaching healing yourself. Okay. And, and she has a, a, a school where she teaches physicians how to practice and how to serve from this whole health perspective. Okay. Anyway, she, I saw the word visionary practitioners on there and I went, that's it. Oh, I see. So just in your own process of, you know, researching this new focus, you came across the language that you needed to, to talk about what you do. Right. I was always looking around and, you know, it's important to kind of sit with things and not just sit with them in your head, mm -hmm. but it was important for me to get it out on paper, to speak it out loud yeah. by myself and with other people. Right. <laughs> and then it was also important for me to look at other people who were doing or who at least who had the same audience or similar audience and see if there was a connection there and look at what they're talking about. And so when I saw her, when I read uh, her website or a blog and she mentioned visionary practitioners and I said, that's it. Those were the visionary pra healthcare practitioners 
are all those healthcare practitioners who I've worked with in the past, who've always wanted to push the envelope, who've always wanted to incorporate the latest trends and help their, always looking for ways to lead in their industry, looking for ways to lead their tribe, their staff, and their patients. Does that mean they're, they're more likely to be aware of the problem that you're solving? Right. And they're, more, they're going to be more open to working with me because they see that as a need. I see. So let's, uh, let's kind of shift focus. And this is sounding pretty good. <laughs> and uh, I think in the interest of equal time, we should talk about how the ways in which it was challenging or, or difficult or maybe those times when you say, crap, did I make a mistake by throwing to the side all those kind of clients I used to work with? Um, did, did that happen at all? Yes, a it lot. Did, oh, okay. <laughs> More than once. Yes. <laughs> it's tell. normal from what I've heard. <laughs> uh, do tell. So when I first started changing my positioning statement, I went through a period of, of, of a little bit of grief. Like, what am I doing? Especially at nighttime, because it's always worse at night. Mm -hmm. And I think it's really important that you kind of have a buddy when you're doing this, mm. kind of like a workout buddy. Right. So you can either tell, you know, either a friend who's maybe doing it with you or a partner who's maybe doing it with you. And for me, you know, Philip is here. So clearly, you know, I would go to him and say, oh, my God, am I making a mistake? <laughs> Tell me the truth. And his reassurance, I have to admit, was one piece that helped me get through. Kind of like, you know, you're trying to diet, you're trying to lose weight, you know, it's good for you. And you're struggling. You're like, I want that piece of bread or I want that ice cream. And you call up a buddy and, you know, you you work out together and they mm -hmm. calm you down and sort of thing. So right. it happened, but truthfully you get, you get, I got through it and it wasn't, it wasn't that long. I just had to trust and have, you know, good self-talk. Well, okay. But, um, we all have this little voice inside our head. I think that, uh, speaks up from time to time and says things like, this is a mistake you can't, this is not the way, you know, this is stupid, whatever. What was your little voice saying in those moments when you would doubt whether narrowing your focus was a good idea? Well, I think it was fear of, of, of not, it's really fear of the unknown. And okay. then it's fear of not having money, Okay. not having an income. Making like a real dollars and cents business mistake. Right. Because at a certain point, and it wasn't right away. I was still working with residential clients for a while. And then I was so excited about this other stuff I was doing at a certain point, I transitioned and said, okay, universe, no more, you know, so. And you started tur turning down the clients who were outside that focus of. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And of course there were scary, of course there are moments of insecurity as with anything new that you do. But you get, I got through it and yeah. I, I'm here and I'm so happy that I did it because honestly, it has changed my whole relationship with my business. For example, I used to write newsletters every week to people and I would struggle writing them 
I mean, struggle. Right. And I would be insecure about it. And there were just so many topics I could discuss. And I had like my holistic practitioners, my, those were my clients, and my residential clients kind of all grouped together. Mm-hmm. And so one week I'd talk about the holistic practice. Another week I'd talk about, you know, your home and what to, you know, different design right. ideas or how to, I was always interested in, in creating spaces that uh, helped us live a better life and right. enjoy, have a better lifestyle and, and contribute to, to a higher quality of life. And now, and so, so, so I did it for a while and then I, you know, it would, they would go out in the morning and I would, I would have all this anxiety. Oh my God, my newsletter's going out. What right. are people going to think of me? Right. And it was really scary. And after a while, I just stopped writing them as often. And ever since I became clear on my positioning, meaning the last incarnation of uh-huh. of this new positioning, right? I, I, I've written. I'm now three months ahead. What does in, that mean? In my in my newsletters. Oh, you have three months of newsletters written, sort of ready to go. Ready to go. Yeah. And they're all based on stories and really interesting. Uh, Really interesting and important value, inf- valuable information that right. I'm giving away. Right. And I get the best feedback on those. And I get the best open rate and like 50%. Mm, nice. And, and also the feedback has been really great. And so that, has, that piece is shocking to me. Really? You because were surprised? I, I was shocked. Yeah. Now... I'm talking, this has just happened in the last three or four months. Right. And, you know, I've been doing this work for 12 years. Right. So it, it's unbelievable. It's like once you get super clear on your positioning, it's like this, this you know, Aladdin's lamp is suddenly rubbed. Uh-huh. And, you know, you start, it's like you start connecting and you start just getting all these ideas and it really is counterintuitive to what I thought would happen before, which was, Oh my God, I can't specialize because I'm not going to have anything to talk about or I'm going to lose people. Why do you think that happened? Why did that open some kind of new reservoir of, it sounds like creativity or I, at least I new ideas. I'm not really sure. <laughs> okay. <laughs> You know, I think I really do believe it's kind of like uh, clearing out your clutter. You know how when you just, you live in your home and you have all this clutter around you and it's old boxes or old newspapers or stuff that it kind of keeps you held down Mm. by your past. Mm -hmm. I think when I finally was able to let go of the stuff in my business that I didn't really bring me joy and then I really actually disliked. Right it kind of freed up space in my brain mm. and I suddenly became more creative. I mean, a creativity that hadn't, hadn't, I hadn't seen in years. And, and you're talking specifically about uh, more creative in your marketing efforts. Yes. More. In building relationships with my clients in uh-huh. nurturing my leads. Right. You know, before it was painful. Now it's not painful anymore. It's clear. I know what I do. I, I have specific information to talk about it and I have great information to bring to conversations. I have great things to give away. And this step-by-step process started, started with 
my positioning. Like I couldn't do my new website without having my positioning because I'd have to redo it. And I actually had to, had to redo it a few times, <laughs> just a little bit of it because I changed my positioning. So I had to change things, right. my social media and just different profiles in different places, but that's okay. So I, it, I'm just trying to sympathize with my listeners here and it, it, this sounds like uh, one of those late night infomercials where it's too good, but wait, there's more. <laughs> no, so I mean, can, can you kind of speak to that uh, that yeah. concern that you know Philip has just brought his wife on here to try to um, uh, shill for him and convince people that positioning? I mean, is all this stuff really real? Is it? Is there some downside that we haven't talked about? Philip started his business, you know, I don't know, a few years ago, and he'd been doing the, his positioning and, and writing his, the positioning manual and, and doing lots of work with his clients and stuff. And I was not on board with it in the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> and I was just going along my way. I actually had a Squarespace site, meaning I had my website, which was a Squarespace. It was hosted on Squarespace. Hosted on Squarespace. Yeah. And Philip had already moved his Squarespace site over to WordPress because there were all these, there were more plugins and, and uh-huh. all these technical things that you could do on there that helped your marketing. And so, you know, I sort of, you know, I was, I was watching his process and, and I was absolutely a skeptic and I said, no, 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 I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. And I can remember one day in December, I woke up and I just was feeling really down and I wasn't happy with my job, meaning I wasn't the, the happy with my clients. The one you created for yourself. <laughs> the one I created for myself because it just wasn't really fulfilling. And yeah. so I finally, I remember walking down the stairs and saying, okay, Philip, I'm ready. And so that's the thing is that you have to be ready for this. You have to take it seriously. It's a commitment. So, okay. So how would people know that this is something that's going to help them? Because uh, I'll be the first person to tell you that I don't think narrowing your focus is necessarily right for every single person out there. You have to, you know, start acting differently and kind of running your business differently to make it work. So it's not just a new coat of paint on your business. What advice would you give people uh, around the question of, is this right for me and is, and is it the right time? Okay. So if you're running your business and you're not happy running your business, meaning you're not enjoying the work, you're not enjoying some of the clients you work with and you right. have a wide variety of clients, okay. types of clients, really a kind of a, a different, different demographics the way that I did. Right. And you're just like, you're either tired of it or something in your body is just not resonating with it. It's not bringing you the, the kind of joy that it used to bring you when you first were learning about it. You're exhausted. You know there's a better way. You're, you've even considered quitting your work because okay. you're like, you know what? I'm just going to stop this whole thing and do something totally different or get a J-O-B. Right. That's kind of your signal or to, that you need to specialize that, you know, your, your body and your mind and your gut are telling you, okay, there has to be, a, there, there needs to be a change and I can't do this for very much longer. And the other scenario is, you know, if you're a service provider and you're just slaving away and you're mm-hmm. charging an hourly rate and you're just kind of slaving away at it, meaning you really don't have a life. 
um, you know, you don't have balance, you don't have time for friends or family that much or for self-care, which is what I didn't have, then by specializing it, for some reason, it kind of lightens your load. It's like by specifically focusing on a niche audience, it becomes lighter. The energy around it becomes lighter and mm. you start enjoying it more. And so there are lots of challenges, believe me, and most of them are emotional. Sure. Okay. Yeah. Where you go to sleep and you're, you're worried and, you know, I mean, that's where your practice of, you know, exercising and good nutrition and a meditation practice or yoga or whatever you do, that's when it's really important <laughs> because that's also what helped me. And there's something, though, that something really magical that happens when you're going through these hard times and you just kind of, you know, you're doing your mental practice of, okay, I'm going to take this step by step, breathing. You get through it. Yeah. And that's what really surprised me a lot. And that's what is so exciting to me because I continue to move into uncharted territory with my work and I continue to go through scary moments. But there, it, I get through them and then I'm like on the other side of it and it's exciting and, and I'm meeting new people and something really magical happens. And, you know, I'm going to be 47 years old right. in August and I never, I've never really experienced this before. In my entire adult life. And you've been self-employed for how long? 20 years. Yeah. That's, I'm inspired. And, uh, and I did not put you up to this. No. <laughs> but thanks for coming on and telling people what it's like from your perspective to go through, through this process. It's definitely a process and it's full of highs and lows, it sounds like. It is, but there are more highs. The lows, when you get through the lows, they stay gone. And then there might be some new challenges, but you're kind of, you level up. Meaning oh, so they don't, the lows don't keep reoccurring in the same way. Yeah, I kind of think of it as like playing a video game. And I'm from, you know, I grew up in the 80s. And so Pac-Man and Centipede were like my <laughs> favorite games. Yeah. And I would always get excited when I got to the next level. Yeah. And it's like, you've done that level and you're at the next level. And yeah, there's more challenges on that next level. You can't get eaten by the little fruit that goes by on Pac-Man. <laughs> and, but then you get like extra points and it's fun. Yeah. And you're doing great work. You're doing something you love and you're getting paid for it. And so things just kind of fall into place. And I really, I know that, and I am not you know, um, making this up, but I really believe so much in having a positioning statement and a differentiator so that you can really take it to the next level. Well, thanks again. Where can people go to find out more about you and your work? You can find me on my website, uh, which is Cheryl Janice Designs with an S at the end dot com and it's C H E R Y L J A N I S Designs D E S I G N S dot com. And you can uh, also find me on Twitter. And my username on Twitter is Cheryl underscore Janice. And please do reach out because I always love sharing my process. And if I can give you any 
helpful advice or any support to get you to get you to do this or to get you to the next level I'm, I'm happy to do so thank you philip thanks cheryl that's it for this episode of the consulting pipeline podcast thanks to my guest cheryl janice again you can find cheryl online at cheryljanicedesigns.com you can find more episodes of this podcast at consultingpipelinepodcast.com I'm Philip Morgan, and I hope to see you again next time.